All right, boys and girls, welcome to the Rock and Roll Garage. This is your Uncle Jimmy making your weekly Grease the Wheels podcast. Come out to your speakers and your earbuds. Hey, listen, before I get started, I want to just say thank you to all you guys out there with the wrenches and the screwdrivers and the hammers and the chisels and whatever the fuck else you're using to fix the shit you're working on. Thank you for keeping the planet moving. Nobody out there appreciates you as much as me. Nobody out there appreciates you at all. Trust me, I know. I'm one of the people out there doing what you do. Hey, I want to uh, I want to offer this up for you. We got almost uh, we're almost 150 episodes into this podcast, and it's been a really kind of a narrow minded thing where we just talk about what's going on in the automotive industry, as far as technicians go, as far as people who work on cars and 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 everything else too, for that matter. Whatever you work on, I'm not even going to give you a list. You know, you know if you're a technician or a mechanic, you know what you work on. You know you're good at it. You know you get the job done. You know you're keeping the planet moving. You fucking know what you're doing but i don't have a clue <laughs> i don't have a clue what the fuck i'm doing with this podcast i mean every week i come out here and i bark out some shit throw a few four-letter words in it send it out the door and for some unknown reason some people seem to like it it's kind of kind of uh i don't know kind of weird i guess but uh what i want to tell you today is that there's a lot of shit that i don't get and i'm i'm here to tell you there's a lot of stuff out there i just don't understand why it is the way it is i don't understand what the fuck is going on and why it is the way it is and i kind of wanted to just kind of say something to you about that on this particular podcast and see if maybe you could figure it out or if you have the same sort of things going on in your life if you have the same sort of situations and you can't understand what the hell's going on too and that way i won't feel so bad or alone now here, I want to talk, what I want to talk to you about is some of the things that I can't understand, okay? Now let me start right at the top and we'll work our way down past our occupation and down to occupations that I would consider a little lower on the totem pole than us, okay? Now when you're talking about a business owner or a corporation or a board of directors and they talk to each other or maybe to themselves or maybe to their friends or maybe to the people in the business about the technician shortage that we have, which is a real fucking thing, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, it's a real thing. There is a definite dire shortage of technicians. These people who are supposed to be smart enough to run a business, smart enough to be the overseers of a corporation, smart enough to work as as someone on a board of directors who is actually supposed to direct things and how they work and how they go. It is something that I cannot understand. I like something that I cannot explain why they can't come to grips with why there's a shortage of technicians. I can tell you, I can tell you in one word, it's money. That is the the root cause of their fucking problem. They need to pay technicians money and they don't want to. And I don't understand why they don't see a path clear to offering a more generous salary, a more generous pay structure to technicians to come and work in the shops and the dealerships that they own. I don't understand why they don't just pull their head out of their ass and see the light, see the fucking light. I don't understand it because to me, it seems pretty simple. If you needed technicians, let's say you opened a brand new dealership. Oh wait, this hits a little too close to home. Let's say you opened a brand new dealership and you needed some technicians, maybe 20, 30 technicians. Maybe you opened a really big place. You need 30 or 40 technicians. Okay. But you're offering wages to these technicians that make them turn their nose up at you. It makes them roll their eyes. Hey, we're going to start you at this. You go, no, you're not. I'm not going to work for you for that. What are you crazy? Why don't they get it? Why do they feel like they need to keep you down and hold you down? 
I, I don't get it. It's one of the things I don't understand. I also don't understand why a lot of these companies, and I've been doing this for a long time, and this is the way it was at many company I was, I, companies I was at, they don't have any kind of a schedule to call up your performance in a review, tell you whether you're doing good or bad, telling you what you need to do better, what you need to learn to earn more money, and then offering you a raise commensurate with your talent, your skill, and your ability. Why don't they do that? Because they don't want to. I can understand that. They don't want to because apparently, I mean, the only answer I can come up with, and, and I don't understand why why this would work, why this would be the answer. Apparently, they're just greedy. But if you have cars that go unfixed or if you have technicians who can't fix them right, but you love how much you're not paying them, but you have to go back and fix their stuff over again, or you have a lot of comebacks, or you have a lot of broken or damaged parts that you have to pay for because they were fine when they got there. If you just paid a little bit more, if you were able to to offer somebody a salary that would make them want to come and work for you and make them want to do a good job and motivate them to want to do better and get training and all sorts of things that you wish that they would want to do now, but you're not paying them enough. You're not, you're just not paying enough. And I don't understand. This is the thing I don't understand. I don't understand why they don't see this. Why would somebody not want to work for you? If you're offering a bare bones wage, well, it's pretty simple. So a lot of us know what we're worth. We know what our value is. We know what our value is to ourselves and we know what our value is to you and your business. And we're not going to let you shortchange us. You know, I think we should get together as a brotherhood of technicians and let these people know that if I have five years of experience in either as an independent technician at an independent shop or if I have five years in at a specific brand manufacturer, I should be making X. And if you're going to offer me Y, which is a lot less than X, then I'm not going to come work for you. Go fuck yourself. Figure out how badly you need technicians and call me back when you decide you're going to pay me X. Because the difference between, and here's one of the things I don't understand also too, is, is when they hire you in, let's say they hire you in at Y, and you expect to be making X by the end of the year or the next year, and you don't. I don't know. I, that's one of the things I don't understand about technicians is why they think that when they get hired, they're going to come in and show somebody they know what they're doing, and then they're going to get a raise. Eh, that's probably not going to happen. It's probably not going to happen. A lot of times, and this is another thing I don't understand, is a lot of times when, when uh, people get hired, and this is really in a lot of different businesses, quite honestly, folks, when people hire somebody and they tell them what their starting pay is, and they accept that, and they come to work for you, they just expect you to, to be happy with that starting wage for a very long time. And I don't understand why anybody would think that. that That's not true. One of the hallmarks of having a job and then doing a good job at it is to earn more money because somebody's going to recognize that you do a good job. But in our industry, that seems to be absolutely completely non-existent. And I don't understand that because that's one of the reasons why we grease the wheels. Everyone that listens to this podcast knows what grease the wheels means, knows what it is a euphemism for. They know what it means. They know what it means. And I would say in literally 95% of the cases, it's true that if you want to raise and you work as a mechanic at a shop and you want to raise, you want to make more money, you want to earn more money, you have to grease the wheels and go somewhere else where they're willing to pay you more. And a lot of times what happens, and this is something I don't understand either, a lot of times when you leave a shop, they come down and say, well, 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 why are you leaving? I thought you liked it here. I go, I need money to live on. I need money to buy things. I need money to pay bills. I need money so I can have a family and a house and stuff. The money you're paying me, I'm never going to get that. 
So I'm going to go somewhere else and get that money. Well, what if we give you a raise? I go, why are you coming to me now as I'm pushing my toolbox up a ramp onto a trailer to pull it the fuck out of here? Why are you telling me this now after I've greased the wheels? Why are you waiting? They And they do this all the time. What is it going to take to make you stay here? You know what it's going to take to make me stay here? It's going to make, what it's going to take is you offering me a raise at a reasonable time and a reasonable increase, considering the fact that lately, really, prices have shot through the roof for a lot of shit, but wages are not going up with those prices. And why is that? Because you're greedy motherfuckers and you're only going to pay me more because you feel like you have to if you want to keep me. And if you don't want to keep me, you just fucking don't do anything. And if you don't do anything until I'm going to leave, it makes me feel like I'm one of these people that you're not going to do anything. I don't understand that. I just, I can't wrap my mind around that. If I was someone, and maybe they teach you this in business school or somewhere, or maybe accountants somewhere or fucking telling people that this is how it's supposed to be. It's one of the things that I don't understand is that why is it such a struggle? It is such a monumental struggle for a technician who works in a shop, either an indie or a dealer anywhere in the world, Why is it such a struggle for us to get a pay increase? Everything else goes up. Everything else goes up without anyone blinking an eye. We want more money. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's like we're asking for a fucking kidney. And then we decide that we want more money and we're not going to get it from our current employer. So we're going to move to another employer. We're going to grease the wheels. And then you come down and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you going to leave? Because I need more money. It's as simple as that. Why is it you can't understand that? All right, let me move down the pike a little bit. Let me slide down the the fucking totem pole a little bit and and latch on and beat the shit out of service managers for a little while. There is a hell of a lot of things I don't understand about service advisors. I've seen some that you would not think would be very good service managers, and yet they are. And I've seen others who should be a slam dunk for being a great service manager. They're not. I've seen seen really, uh, let me just think about this for a minute. In a dealership type of a situation, I have probably worked for a dozen different service managers. And out of that dozen, I think I've had uh, four good ones. And the rest were just fucking cannon fodder. Really terrible. One of the things I'm not able to understand about service managers is I get that they're supposed to delegate tasks. I get that. But if you delegate a task It should be a task that you yourself could do. But a lot of times I find that service managers delegate tasks to other people because they can't do them. They simply just cannot do them. I don't understand that. I would think that a service manager would be somebody who could at the very least, and I believe that this to be true, at the very least should be able to fill in as a service advisor if for some reason you were short a service advisor or one was sick or one died or one moved on and you were short, whatever. If you had a lot of customers and you had one service advisor or maybe just two and you had tons of customers and the service manager is sitting in his office with his fucking dick in his hand doing nothing, that's a situation that I cannot understand. If I was a general manager and I came down and my service area was full of customers waiting to be serviced and you had two service advisors who are bouncing off the walls trying to help everybody and the service manager sitting there doing nothing, I don't understand why you wouldn't just fucking either fire that guy or tell him to get the fuck out there and help these fucking people. But I see this situation all the time. I've seen it, you know, for probably the last 25 years. I've seen where service service managers are not going to do that. Now, some of the good ones were service advisors, and they don't have any problem jumping in and helping a customer. Obviously, it's not the optimum situation for a service manager. They have to do the job of a service advisor. It's not 
optimum for them. Because once you write up an RO, if it's in your name, you're the one who's responsible for it. You're the one who has to sell any work that's, that might be needed with it. You're the one who's going to have to close it. You're the one who's going to have to bill it, send it to cashier, whatever they have to do to, to close that RO out. You're going to be the one who's going to have to follow through on it. If you wrote it, you're going to have to follow through on it. And let me tell you something. I don't know a whole lot of service managers who could follow through on fucking even eating a sandwich for fuck's sake. Some of them are, are so fucking retarded, it seems like. I have numerous instances in my past where service managers just were just com- so completely worthless, just so completely worthless. And and to me, I don't understand how somebody can look upon these people. They can see that they don't do anything. They can see that they're worthless and that they basically come in and just fuck off all day. I've had several service managers who do that. They just don't do anything. I I have had one And the best thing I could say about him was, and this is no fucking lie, there was no situation that arose that he couldn't make worse. He was terrible. Showed up late, left early, just basically shot the shit with everybody all day long. And he he tried to clean out and get rid of all the technicians in his shop who made over, it seemed like he was trying to get rid of everybody who made over $20 an hour. And this wasn't that long ago. I don't understand why you would put up with that kind of shit from somebody like that. Especially when other people, if you just ask them for their opinion, they'll tell you, just say, that guy is stealing his paycheck. He doesn't do anything. And when he does finally do something, it's wrong. He would solve problems we didn't have. He would try to get people to quit and leave or fire them that were doing the job and doing it well. He, he honestly did that. I had another service manager. He was an egomaniac. He felt like he was so fucking good at what he did. And he even told me one time that he could be a service technician when he had never been a service technician before. He had simply been a fucking service advisor. He thought that he could come out and fix cars right along with me. I fucking just about grabbed him by the throat. And I said, there's my tools. Why don't you fix that fucking car right over there? Oh, call his bluff. He couldn't fucking do it. He didn't even make an attempt. He tried to do an oil change one time, but he wandered off in the middle of it. He wandered right off in the middle of it and left it on one of our lifts with the drain plug out and the drain underneath it. And he he, he just, that was it. That was as far as he was going to get. And we waited and waited and waited for him to come back. And he never came back. He was up front in his office, but he wasn't going to finish that oil change. We had to come along and figure out where he was in, in the process of changing oil in his car, pick up the dropped fumble from there and finish the job. And, and we did. Because we care about our customers, believe it or not. You know, as technicians, we do care about what we do. Some of us anyway, some of us don't. I've run into into people who don't give a fuck about people's cars. I've run into that in the collision industry. I've run into that in the the parts industry. And I've run into that as a technician. People who don't give a fuck about somebody somebody else's car. The the battle cry of that crew was, fuck that car. (laughs) Uh, And don't believe me, I don't have any trouble understanding that at all. That's not something I don't understand. But I don't understand having a completely ineffective person in management and and putting up with it. I think that you you would need to if you're if you're the boss of a service manager, I think you need to be on top of what his role is. You need to explain to him what his role is, maybe write out his job description in English so that he can read it and understand it, maybe even sign it that he's read it and understand it. And then you need to come down and check on him. Maybe once a fucking day even. If he's going to be a fucking complete jack off like some of the ones I've had, I don't understand why you would just throw somebody into that position and then just expect them to do it and then be surprised when they fail at it. I don't understand that. Okay. It's 
One of the things I don't understand. Now, when you get to service advisors, I want to hedge my bet here, okay? There's a lot of things that service advisors do that I don't understand, but there's also a lot of things about service advisors that we as technicians don't understand, okay? Number one, and I know you're going to probably go, what the fuck is wrong with Uncle Jimmy? Is he running a fever here? But I'm going to stick up for service advisors for a little bit here. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to throw them under the fucking bus. Let me just let me just tell you what's going on here, okay? The service advisor's job is to deal with the customers. There's not enough money in the world to pay me to do that job. You could tell me that I could make half a million dollars a year if I was a service advisor. I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. I'm not doing it. Customers, from my perspective, because I'm an older individual, okay, I'm an old guy. From my perspective, since I've been in the industry, which is sometime in the mid-80s, customers have gotten worse. They have gotten worse. They used to be that, you know, you had, you know, there's, I mean, probably back in the fucking 14th century, customers were assholes then too. I get it. Okay, but there was a lot less of them. But now people have procreated like fucking mad and there's people everywhere. And a lot of them have no fucking sense whatsoever. No common sense, no general sense. And, and they're ignorant and they're belligerent and they're entitled and spoiled and all this other fucking shit. And it, it seems like it gets exponentially worse every year. And so you're asking people, service advisors, to deal with other people who, for whatever reason, and there's a million fucking reasons probably, which I don't understand, why someone would behave like a complete and total fucking asshole when they come into your business to try to get you to work on their car. I don't understand why they would do that, but they do that. They do that on a grand scale. There are people who are ignorant. I'm going to tell you a story about a guy that I had to help on Saturday, which was yesterday to me recording on Sunday night here, okay? I'm going to tell you the story about that in a minute here, but I wanted to just get through this piece first. These people come in and God bless them. Sometimes they're great. They know what they they know what to expect. They know what they want. They can articulate in the common language of the fucking uh, country they're in what they need and the, and the advisors, the service advisors, wh- whoever they be, man, woman, child, even they can understand what that person wants. They can write up an effective RO and the process goes smoothly from there. They want an oil change. Maybe they need some wiper blades. Maybe they're due for a micro filter or an air filter or something. You write all that down. You make separate lines for all that stuff because you, you're a pro at what you do. And then you tell them, are you going to wait or do you need a loaner? They know what to do and everybody knows what they want and it goes smoothly. But then for every one of those customers, there's another customer who's a fucking just complete cocksucker. He wants to try to blame you for what went wrong with his fucking car. He can't understand why his car, I'm going to use the word his because I don't like to pick on the women too much. I know that they can definitely be Karens, which just kills me in the last couple, two, three years, how we've decided that evil women who are stupid and ignorant and belligerent are Karens. It doesn't sound fair to anyone named Karen who might be as sweet as the day is long, but we're going to say his, okay, because we're going to try to avoid that whole misogynist thing that goes on with that Karen bullshit. But let's just say this guy his car broke down and he's got to try to find somebody to blame and he's trying to figure out how to get somebody to pay for it and he's a belligerent cocksucker and he's he's giving the advisor a hard time and he doesn't want to spend more than you know this amount of money here or this amount of money there and then when you tell him what he needs to fix his car he fucking argues with you about how long it should take to look at his car how long it should take to fix his car blah to be about to buy he just gives you a fucking hard time And this seems to happen more and more often. And the guys who take the brunt of this are your service advisors. 
Now, I don't understand. One of the things I don't understand is why people have to be suckers. I don't understand that. I don't, I mean, your car breaks down. I get it. It fucking ruins your day. And people say this all the time. Oh, my car broke down at the least opportune moment possible. I go, well, anytime your car breaks down, of course, it's going to be the least opportune time. It's going to be the worst time for it to break down. Anytime your car breaks down, it's the worst fucking time for your car to break down. It's like when you lose something and you look for it and you find it, guess what you stop doing? You stop looking for it. That's why it's always in the last place you looked. Because when you find it, you stop looking. What the fuck? It makes sense to me that people would get worked up if their car is broken. But we're in the business of turning that whole situation around 180 degrees and getting you back on the fucking road again. Why would you give us a hard time? I don't understand that. I can't explain that. I can't explain why the people would do that. Now, I can I understand that people want to save money and they don't want to spend a lot of money. That part I don't understand. But why would you be a cocksucker about that? I would be more inclined to give somebody who's nice and understanding and patient, I would be more inclined to give them a discount than some cocksucker who comes across like he fucking owns me and he's yelling at me and he says it's my fault or my technician's fault that his car is fucked up and I'll stick up for the people I work for. Let me tell you something, okay? Here comes this story. I was telling Eric this and he asked me to regale it with you and I wasn't going to do it because it really still has me fucking worked up even now a good 24 hours later, okay? I worked on a Saturday, which is not the optimal situation for any automotive technician, especially if you worked Monday through Friday already. Working Saturdays sucks. It's called the weekend for a reason. People go out and get drunk on Friday night. They wake up late on Saturday. They start to feel better about nine o'clock. They go out and get drunk again. And then they spend Saturday, Sunday in a coma. And then when they start to feel better, they wake up and go to work and do it all over again on Monday. So Saturday is not a day that I typically look forward to going in and breaking my ass so that the capitalistic system can keep working. So really what I'm trying to say to you is I don't understand why the fuck I would volunteer to work on a Saturday. And I can tell you right now that I probably won't do it again because it was a horrendous thing to begin with. The whole fucking day, just horrendous, chaotic bullshit. And I made exactly 1.5 hours the whole motherfucking day. So as far as I'm concerned, I could have just fucking hit myself in the head with a hammer, induced a coma, and come out of it on Sunday and been way better off. But no, I go in, I give it the old college try, I help some people out, I do some things, and I got basically fucked. Raw with no reach around. So to make matters worse... We're only supposed to work until three. Okay, great. But I'm hanging around because, you know, I got nothing else to do and I got a couple things I want to finish up. And I decide I'm going to go check and see if we have this one particular car that needs a, a, a service action programming. So I walk up into the drive-on. Now, the drive-in the drive is where people pull in with their cars when they need them to get work done. But, for it, but at this particular point in the day, it's almost 4.30. The drive-on has been locked up and closed for an hour and a half. Nobody is in there except... Yours fucking truly, dumbass Uncle Jimmy. I'm looking out the front window and I watch some guy pull up in an old car. And I just, my, I blinked my eyes really hard because that's what I do. I just closed my eyes and I said, I'm going to have to help this fucking guy. So immediately, and I don't do this. This is one of the things I don't understand. Is I don't usually do this. I don't mind meeting people. I don't mind talking to people. I don't even mind helping people out. Not at all. I don't mind it. But for some reason, I just knew that this guy who just pulled up in this old car was a asshole. He was an asshole. I just knew it. And I also knew that I was going to have to help him 
and that no matter what I did, this guy was going to corner me somewhere on the lot or in the building. I just knew it. I knew it was coming. I could sense it. I've been around that fucking long that I'm fucking Nostra fucking Damas. Okay. So I duck out the side door of the drive-on and I sneak around the corner of the building to try to find the car that I'm looking for. I had the keys for it. That's why I was in the drive-on. I had the keys for it. And I'm looking for this car. And sure enough, as I'm standing here, folks, this guy tracks me down and he starts talking in this shitty fucking whispering guttural voice. And he looks just like a South Park figure. His car just all of a sudden started running really badly and he's got the check engine light on. And, <laughs> and I just instantly, and I never do this, folks, but I instantly dislike this guy. Instantly. He just had this attitude about him that he was going to find somebody no matter what the fuck he had to do he was going to find somebody at that dealership who could help him who could help him with his little emergency oh it's just i want what i wanted to do was just choke the fucking life out of him with my bare fucking hands that's what i wanted to do because i was done for the day i had already given more than i was going to get for the whole day but no here's this guy so I go over to his car and he starts it up. Sure enough, it's sitting there running like shit. It's misfiring. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have two options. I could tell this piece of shit to kiss my fucking ass and get the fuck out of there because our parts, our service department is closed on top of our parts department being closed as well. And that we, I can't help him. Okay. That's what I'm, that's what I want to say. But instead I'm a team player. I'm a company guy and I'm there to help people even if I don't want to, even if every word this guy is saying causes my blood pressure to raise five fucking points, and he is just going on and on. Oh, my car runs great. My car runs great. My car runs great. No, it doesn't. It's misfiring, you fucking retard. Oh, I'm just, I'm out of my mind. So finally, I just say, all right, I'll take a look at it. I said, go into the, just go into the showroom and, and just hang out and I'll come find you. And then as he's walking away, he turns and he goes, oh, oh, I have some frozen food in my car. And I'm like, you fucking douche. I don't give a fuck about your frozen food, okay? So he takes his frozen food into the fucking building. And I told him, I said, oh, there's a fucking ice machine in there. Just fucking get some ice or something. So I pull his car around back and it's so old that I have to, it's just how old it is. I have to get an adapter to hook my tester up to it. So I hook up the battery charger and I hook up the tester and I go in and sure enough, cylinders four and five are fucking misfiring. And I mean, just even being, just even being around this guy's car because the, the car carried the, the, the aura of, of a dick that this guy was. Uh, and, and this is not like me. Most of the time I like helping people. I like, I like especially helping people who are in a dire situation because to me, it makes me a hero to me. Not not to them, and maybe it does to them too, but it makes it it makes me feel useful and helpful, which is important to me. I mean, I want to feel like I'm important and useful and you know want to or should want to have me around. So then I'm scanning this guy's car, and sure enough, one of the salesmen, one of the fucking dickheads, brings this guy out into the shop and he starts talking to me. And he says, oh, is this, the, is this the guy you want to see? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he says the name of another guy who works in our building. He says the name of another individual that works in my building who has the same first name as me. And, and I say, oh, do you know that guy? And he goes, and he gets a real sour look on his face. 
And and right here is where he really lost me because he goes, oh yeah, I remember that guy from working at the other dealership in town. I didn't like him, he says, or at least he implied he didn't like him. I don't remember exactly what he said. But as soon as he did that, because this particular guy he was talking about is a really good employee. He's a really good guy and does the job right. And he's a, he doesn't deserve to have anybody, anybody run him down. And if you roll into my building, now let me just let me just put this out there for you guys. If you roll into my building and I'm helping you, one of the last things that you should do if you want me to continue to help you is run someone down that I work with, especially someone that I work with that I have respect for that does the job and does the job right. Somebody that I like. Don't fucking do it. You will not understand how hard you will get hit. Okay, that's one of the things that you won't understand. Don't run the people I work with down. That's my fucking job, goddammit. So this guy comes out and he expresses his dislike for the one individual that I work for one individual that I work with, which irritates me even more. Right now I'm traversing between DEFCONs three and DEFCON two. And I'm going to be at DEFCON 1 really, really quickly if he stands there and tries to talk to me while I work on his car, which irritates me to fucking absolutely no end. And I don't understand why, but it does. It irritates a piss out of me. Okay. So I look, I hook it up. I get the fall codes out. It says that cylinder four and five are misfiring. And I, he's got some stupid shit on his car. I got to work around it. I get the valve cover, the top cover off, the valve cover off. And I'm looking at his coils and he's got some fucking bullshit, junk-ass aftermarket coils, the likes of which I've seen before, but as I've seen them, they have been getting tossed into the fucking trash. They're junk. They're shit. I recognize them as shit. So I had some coils laying around because every once in a while we'll change all eight or all six on a car and maybe a couple of them still seem like they're good. So I'll hang on to them. And so I've got a couple, two, three, four ignition coils hanging around that are probably, I'm guessing, still good. So I pull these two coils out in that one cylinder, those two cylinders that were misfiring and I replace them with ones that I think might work. And sure enough, they do work, which to me, I, I just shook my head because whoever was in charge of karma on Saturday was asleep at the wheel and turned the switch off because this guy did not for one second deserve the luck that he had just run into. The luck of running into a guy who has worked on his kind of car before. The luck of a guy who actually has some extra parts laying around. The luck of a guy who will, after an hour and a half of being closed, pull your car in and take a look at it. The luck of having a guy like that actually fix your car for you. For fucking free. For free. So I get the car all put back together again. I had taken two coils out. I, and I, I do this. I, I do this a lot. I put, I took a plastic Ziploc baggie and I wrote the word junk on it and I put the two ignition coils in it and I threw it on his front seat and then I put his car all back together again, cleared the faults and pulled it around front and I went into the showroom to try to find the guy and he's sitting there and he's still shooting shit with this particular salesman and he's saying the same things he said to me all over again and this is probably the fifth or sixth time that I've heard him recite it. It's probably the 10th or 12th time he's, oh, the car runs great. This car runs great. It's a great running car. Never mind that it pulled in here with two dead fucking cylinders, you fucking moron. So I had to wait. I go in and I'm standing there and he sees me, but I had to wait for him to finish talking and he didn't stop. He just kept on mumbling. And I'm like, you fucking douchebag. And finally he looks at me and I said, your car is fixed. I had some coils laying around. I threw them in there. The junk parts are on your seat. Your keys are in it. It's right out there. See ya. And I walked off before I said anything else because anything else I was going to say 
would have been mean and evil and and might have even been followed with a footprint on this guy's ass seriously because I haven't been rubbed that the wrong way like that in in like a really 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 long time and you know what the worst part is the worst part is is that this guy in no way I can tell that this guy the way he is I can just tell that the way this guy has lived his life everybody has accommodated him his whole life and he doesn't appreciate any of it and he didn't probably even, I mean, I I don't even think, I can't recall if he said thank you. If he did, he probably said it in a low tone as if he was owed, as if it was owed to him. And I know, okay, for my part, I think to myself, well, you know, this would be a really great story if somebody other than me told it to somebody, okay? If somebody, if this guy called up my general manager or even my service manager and told him, hey, you know, I had a problem with my car on Saturday and I stopped in in the sky, his, his name was was James, and he, and he fixed my car for me for free after you were closed. This guy's a really top-notch employee, and maybe you should give him a raise instead of telling him to wait. But you know what? This is the kind of guy who is not going to fucking do that. He is not going to do that. He actually probably, in my mind anyway, I think he expected this to happen. And so therefore, what happened is what he expected to have happen and what he expects should happen in the future if the same situation arises. And so it's not something that he's going to say to somebody, oh, well, this, this place really did me right. They did, a, they did me a favor. He doesn't think that way at all. And that, that has me so irritated with myself because it just should have gone a lot different. It just should have gone a lot different. And it should have been a different person who got to experience the absolutely truly excellent customer service that I personally provided not on behalf of my company but on behalf of my goddamn goodwill in my head and this is something that I don't understand is how customers can be like this I don't understand if you have if you're trying to contract with somebody to have them do something for you that you can't do yourself or that you couldn't do properly yourself which is another thing that I don't understand then maybe you ought to behave with a modicum of of humility you should be polite. You should be kind. And if something costs too much, just come right out and say it. Say, listen, I can't really afford that or I don't want to afford that. I appreciate you telling me that I need four tires, but at the particular moment right now, I couldn't afford four French fries. So I will stop back and see you when I get an opportunity to get new tires. And maybe they don't, maybe they don't need tires real bad or maybe they do need tires real bad. I've had cars on my bay that have had cords hanging out on all four tires. I had a car, actually, let me, let me re, let me restate that again for you one more time. I had a car in my bay one time that had cords hanging out on both edges of all four tires. So it was so bald that it had cords showing on each edge. So it had eight fucking sets of cords showing. And we all know, I don't have to explain to you how dangerous that is. I mean, that's, I, and I say it in videos, that's the skeleton of the tire. You're asking this tire to hold up when it doesn't have any flesh to it and it's going to blow out and you're going to be in trouble. I have had those cars hanging on my lift and those customers have refused to buy tires from us. They've refused. That's another thing I don't understand. And really along with the service advisors, I don't understand that. I don't understand why customers behave the way they do sometimes. And I, and then the ratio of bad ones to good ones is unfortunately tilting the wrong way, which I don't understand. It should be the other way around, but it's not. And I think that perhaps that the population of this planet feels like they're entitled or or been spoiled with this whole customer is always right bullshit, which is not fucking true. 
Now, there's a lot of other people that work in the building that that do things that I don't understand, and I can't explain why they do the things that they do. And But they seem insignificant when compared to the things that the people who directly affect my paycheck do. Lot guys do crazy things. They're lot guys. They're supposed to do crazy things. It's actually in their job description. At the bottom, it says, yeah, the lot guy's, lot guy's supposed to do crazy things. He's also supposed to do everything. So, And that's probably what makes him crazy, is that they have to do everything. And we have really, really good ones where I work. Really good lot guys, lot, lot, lot porters, whatever you want to call them. We have really good ones. And so if something doesn't get right, I understand why it doesn't get done right. But it's so it happens so rarely that you can't even get angry with them. And honestly, between you and me, I can't understand how come we have such good ones. We have, we're short, we could use a couple, two, three more, but the ones that we have do a really good job. And it's amazing to me how we have that because I've had carporters and lot, lot porters and car, lot rats in the past that were just useless pieces of flesh on sticks that were just terrible. And, and that, I, so I, I, when I tell you that our lot porters and our carporters or whatever are, are good, and do a good job. It's something that I don't understand myself. Uh, our parts personnel. Now, in the beginning, when we opened up, because we were brand new about three years ago or so, we had some uh, we had some so-so parts individuals. We had one individual who was really, really terrible. We had a couple others that were okay. And now we have some really good ones. And we have another. We have another. We have one that's really, really good at what he does. But he's leaving. And it's only because the guy is really, quite frankly, brilliant and is going to serve humanity in a much grander fashion by going to school and learning how to do something different instead of wasting away in a parts department. And I don't want to say wasting away in a parts department is a bad thing uh, as far as the people who work there, but it's a terrible job to have if you want to buy things in your life because if you think your pay is low or if you think that anybody else's pay is low, check into how much money your parts department personnel get paid. They may not even get paid in money. They may get paid in coins. And I'm, I'm almost serious about that. They make so little money that if they have massive turnover in the parts department, don't tell me you don't understand why. I can tell you why. They're paid in the most horrible fashion possible. They're worth a lot more. What they do is is so excruciatingly important. And if you find somebody who does it well, the, the pay needs to step up and keep up, but it never, it almost never does. And that's one of the things I don't understand. If you have somebody who does a good job, why you wouldn't pay them? And it's the same with technicians. Why, if you have somebody who does a good job, why don't you pay them so that they hang around, so that they do the job for you? Why do you got to fuck them up by paying them shit? I don't understand that, okay? Uh, as far as service advisors go, there's a lot of other things. I want to get back to the service advisors. Uh, let me just make a quick pit stop at technicians, okay? You know, as well as I do, that we as a group, as technicians, and I'm talking to all you motherfuckers out there right now, if you're an automotive technician, you are the craziest sons of bitches I've ever fucking met in my life. And I love you all, but you are the craziest sons of bitches I've ever met in my life. And I fit right in because I'm one of the craziest sons of bitches that I know. And sometimes we are from one spectrum, one of the spectrum to the other. Sometimes we are brilliant. Sometimes we are handy and quick and efficient and we get the job done and we move on and we just, we do the job perfectly. And then there's other days and I'm talking about every one of us where we can't fucking fix a fucking sandwich. We can't get anything done right. Everything goes wrong. Everything fucks up. Nothing works. Everything we try is, is futile. 
we, we swing from one end to the other. We're nice, we're sweet, we're friendly. And then five minutes later, maybe 10, maybe 24 hours later, we're the most evil son of a bitch that ever walked the face of the earth. We say the most caustic and, and acerbic things. And, and we, we say mean things and we do mean things. We pull pranks on each other and some of them are just downright evil. <laughs> and this is one of the things that I don't understand is that, that I have never met one technician. Now, I've said this before, okay, when we talk about technicians is that there's a certain style, okay, a certain style of technicians. It's kind of like when they talk about warships, okay. When they build a warship, let's say the aircraft carrier Hornet, okay, and then they build aircraft carriers just like it afterwards, but they give them different names. They call those battleships or those carriers, excuse me, they call those battleships Hornet class, okay, because they're in the same class as that, okay? And we have the same thing going on with technicians. And if you worked with maybe 10, 12 technicians, you have in your mind a classification. Oh, this guy's just like a guy I used to work with named Pete. So he's a Pete class technician. Or this guy's just like a guy I used to work with named Bill. He's a Bill class technician. And there's only really about 10 or 12 different classes of technician. And they all loosely or sometimes tightly fit into those classifications. So there's a lot of similarity between the technicians you work with at now and the technicians you may have worked with in the past and the technicians that you may work with in the future. But it, it, it here again, too, and I say this all the time, but it's true. It, it's too general of a statement to be true in all cases. You're going to find people who are very similar to each other in different situations, and you will go, oh, this guy reminds me of that guy. This guy reminds me of that guy. That's a Pete class or a Bill class kind of a person. And all of us, all of us have our moments, don't we? I have a lot more of them. I string them together and call it a year. But we have our moments where we're obnoxious and evil and and yelling out things. And then then other days, we have days where we're just fine. Everything's great. And I (laughs) I don't understand it. I've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast, is that there's a level of chaos to what we do. And some days the chaos is at a low level and it's easy to get through that day and it's easy to get things done that day and you can move move about yourself and your tasks efficiently and the parts are all there. But then there's other days where you, you're trying to work on, you know, you got 10 cars you need to work on and car number one is just being a piece of shit and there's something fucking stupid wrong with it. It's gonna take you about 44 hours to figure out what's wrong with that one fucking car and then everything else you try to do that day just fucks up every nothing works your tools break you're losing them you know fucking tools you need to fix the shit you're working on are not there the instructions that you need to repair that car are not there the the, everything's just going wrong and between that and that i can't understand why we can't have a little bit more of a, a little bit more of a level of of serenity in the shop why can't be a little bit more like one day to the next when it, it, it just is so it's like one day is just so fucking it's like satan and god are fighting over these two days you know it's like you have a day that is controlled by saint christopher and everything goes well and everything that you do when you're traveling is is good and everything is is taken care of and everything falls into place the way it's supposed to and then you have the next day where satan and his little fucking minions show up and everything goes straight to shit and i don't understand why it's like that because i have days where i'm brilliant and i i turn 20 hours and fix everything in sight and then i have other days where i've got one hour 
on my fucking timesheet and I've struggled with three fucking cars and I've gone backwards on them. I have not only have I not figured out what's wrong with them, I've figured I found other stuff that's fucked up about them that I can't figure out either. Ugh, it wears me the fuck out. And you know, the, the thing that I don't understand about that now, I understand that the shop's like that, and that you're going to have all these different personnel that you work with, and that the equipment is going to be broken sometimes, and that tools are going to be missing, or they're going to be here, there, or everywhere. They're going to be scattered, and that there's all kinds of different personalities you have to deal with. That's all shit that I can understand. What I can't understand is that nobody else understands that. Nobody understands. Nobody else understands that. I'm going to be, I'm a different mechanic than the guy who works across the shop from me. I'm going to be a different mechanic than the guy who works in the bay next to me. I'm going to be a different mechanic than the guy who works on the opposite side of the shop, but in the same stall on the other side of the building. Or nobody can understand that I'm a different technician than the technician at the independent that you are at, or at the Pep Boys or the Midas or the brake check that you are at. I'm different than they are. I might be better. I might be worse. Who even fucking knows what kind of day I'm having? I and and nobody seems to understand that. Nobody seems to go, okay, how do we gauge this? Well, that I don't know either. How do we gauge it? You know, I'm gonna go in tomorrow and I'm gonna attempt to do the job. And if something goes wrong, I'm gonna be in my mind. I'm just gonna go, here we go, here we go. And I don't understand why it's gotta be like that sometimes. And I think that what's gonna happen is when I finally get fed up with it and I stop doing it, I'm gonna miss it about 36 to 72 hours later. I don't know if it's the thing that makes me go. If it's the thing that makes me get up in the morning, I don't know. Uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you when I retire where that is. I don't know when that's going to be. If, if, if I actually make it to retirement, I might just end up, I might just keel over and die in my bay, which would be fine with me. Okay. Cause I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of dying. And uh, I'm actually kind of looking forward to it because hopefully this is not it. I'm hoping that what's next is going to be better. And even if it's nothing, it might be better. I don't know. It's one of those things here again. It's one of those things I don't understand. Now, now let me go back to service advisors. Okay. Because I was sticking up for them and how it's terrible, the shit they have to put up with customers. But when they get to the point where they have to do their job, where they have to write the RO, They have to write the repair order out. They have to write down all the lines and maybe they have to precondition the customer for what we might find, what we might see, not necessarily diagnosing from the chair. I certainly don't want that. And one of the things that that I feel that that advisors need to do is, is they need to under promise and over deliver. If somebody says, can I have my car back in an hour? They need to say something along the lines that you want your car back in an hour. Why don't you just take it now? It's going to take us at least an hour to get it in the shop and get it looked at. Fixing it, that's out of the question. That's not thats not even part of the equation in an hour. It might take me an hour and a half to figure out what's wrong with it. It's going to take at least another half an hour for me to put together an estimate and then get it get that estimate sent up to the advisory after the parts department gets their mitts on it. To me, and I don't understand why they don't do this, you need to under-promise and over-deliver instead of over-promising and under-delivering. It's, it's as simple as, it's, it's a simple concept, really. And I don't understand why they don't just subscribe to it instantly really if somebody says to you how long is it going to take you have to say well i don't know typically it takes an hour but i have to prepare you for the fact that it might take two it might take four do you understand i have to under promise to you if i tell you it's going to take an hour and it takes two you're going to be upset right but if i tell you it's going to take two and it takes an hour you're going to be happy right so guess what it's going to take two hours but i don't understand why people don't service advisors, let's just say service advisors instead of people, but I don't understand why they don't get that. Why don't they understand that? Give me more time to look at their car. 
And if their car is effing up, it may take me a really long time to get it looked at. And calling me up and coming back and jumping up my ass and, and harassing me about how long it's taking is certainly not going to help you out. And quite frankly, I don't understand why you would do that. Because if I get annoyed enough with you, I will find a way to hit you with a hammer. Don't rub me the wrong way. Diagnosis of problems sometimes takes a lot of time. You got one now. I talked about it last week that it was beating my ass. Guess what? It's still beating my ass. It's an old piece of shit that has been neglected and fucked and fucked with. Somebody at some independent repair shop somewhere did some shit to it. Then I've been trying to figure out what the fuck is wrong with it. I have fixed on it so far half a dozen different little problems that were causing it to run like absolute dog shit. And now it runs a lot better, but it still runs badly. And I have a couple other things I need to try. And then after that, I'm going to give up on it and say, fuck it, just take the fucking thing. I'm sure, I'm sure as I'm sitting here right now talking to you on this podcast that nobody, not the advisor, not the service manager, and especially not the customer, understands that I am actually working on it and I am actually trying to get it to go right. They just keep wondering, why is it taking so long? Because it's fucked up. That's why. Try to understand that. If you want it now, take it. Just take the fucking thing. It's all put together. It's all ready to go. If you want to take it, runs like dog shit. And I'm not entirely sure that the gasoline in it is 100% good. It didn't look good to me. I know what good gas is supposed to look like. I know what it's supposed to smell like. It didn't look and or smell like it was good. Probably isn't the entire problem, but is exasperating whatever is actually the problem. Because I've already knocked off half a dozen problems that were making it run like shit. And I think that there's probably at least two or three more. And once I get it nailed, I'll have it nailed. But the problem is, is that nobody understands the process. Nobody is patient enough to understand the process. It just, it's not going to happen. Now, when I talk about service advisors, and I want to make this the last thing I talk about. A lot of times, service advisors, I think that service advisors in, in a lot of situations can, and and some will make an extraordinary amount of money. I know some service advisors out there who do a really spectacular job and make spectacular money doing it, okay? But it's hard and they have the kind of personality and they have a certain amount of charisma that goes along with that personality that allows them to do the job in such a way that people like them, that they can tell them bad things, that they could sell them things and maybe they don't even have to call them. Maybe they just say, hey, whatever it needs, just do it and call me when it's done. That happens all the time too. But more more often than not, service advisors don't get that instruction from their customers. Some do, some do, some ha- some instill trust in their in their customers so much so to the point that they can trust them to just do what they need to have get done and get it done and get the car ready to go and then just call them say come and get it. They have the money, they don't have the time, they don't want to fuck with it, they don't want to talk about it, they just want it done. That happens and some advisors get get into a, a relationship with customers. And they these are typically advisors who do very, very well at the job. But then there's others, because anytime you get a job where the pay could conceivably be very good, you're always going to get some people who want to try to do it so they can get a taste of all that money that they can earn doing it. But they don't want to make the effort. They don't want to put in the effort and they don't want to put in the time and they don't want to do the job the way it's supposed to be done. They want to find shortcuts they want to not do what they're supposed to do. They want to figure out how not to do something they don't want to do. 
And when you're dealing with customers, I would say, honestly, I would just tell you straight out, that's not something that I want to do. If I was a service advisor and I had to talk to people, I'd be like, holy fuck, this shit, this job sucks. Be a great job if there weren't any, (laughs) if there weren't any customers. But unfortunately, that's the whole absolute point of that job. The entire 100% reason for that job to exist. You need to be the go-between between a mechanic who has been wiping boogers on his shirt all day, like myself, and a customer who probably eats his own boogers. And you're the service advisor who has to tell the booger picker to figure out what's wrong with a booger eater's car. And then when you tell the booger eater's car what's wrong with his car, you say, oh, the booger, the booger picker is going to fix your car, but he's going to need $5,000 worth of shit. And he's going to need another $2,000 worth of labor to do it. And the booger eater just says, oh, I don't want to fucking do that. And you're like, okay, uh, that part I can understand. I can understand that this guy has to be the go-between and it sucks. But if you're going to do the job, if you're going to sign up for the job, if you're going to come in and take the job and you're going to show up and try to do it, try to do it the best you can and try to figure out how to do it better every day and get good at it. And then guess what? Then you'll get the reward. That's a job that can pay very, very well, especially if you get some sort of commission for it. So I don't understand why you want to come in and, and, and this is something that I don't understand, but this is a personal thing that I don't understand is why you want to come in, have a job, come in and then phone it in and expect to get paid. It's not the way it works. You have to put the time and the energy into the job and you have to do it right and then you'll get paid. And if you keep that up, if you're consistent with that, you do the right thing all the time and you make everybody happy as you can. Obviously, you can't make everybody happy all the time. It's not something that anybody can do, but you do. You are better at it than most people. Your customers like you, your technicians like you. They get together and do the right thing each time, almost every time anyway, and you earn a good chunk of money because this is what you do. You have to understand if something you don't understand how if you don't understand how to work hard and if you're lazy, uh, you this is not that's not a job for you. You have to understand. That's one of the things you have to understand. If you want to be a service advisor because you can make a lot of money, but you're a lazy piece of shit, then it ain't the job for you. It's a terrible job, and if you're good at it, it's a lot less terrible. But if you're terrible at it. And it becomes more and more terrible because people understand that you're terrible and technicians will give you a hard time and customers will give you a hard time and your service manager might give you a hard time and your general manager might give you a hard time and they might actually just fucking show you the exit and ask you to be on the other side of that fucking sign. That's one of the things you need to understand. Now, what I understand is, and one of the things I can explain is that I realize I've been going on for a long time now and hopefully Eric will chop this down into a much more usable kind of a soundbite podcast instead of the one hour plus that i've gone so far and let me just say this i get what we're all trying to do okay these are things that i don't understand but they're things that i should be able to understand and what i don't understand is people's behavior basically that's what it comes down to why do customers have to be fucking dickbags why do service advisors have to be lazy why do service managers have to be people who are completely ineffective why do general managers want to general managers and and store owners and shop owners and boards of directors why do these people not want to pay us for creating the commodity it's like what the fuck pay us you'll stop having a technician shortage you need to understand that money makes the world go around it makes people come to work you get you can't find anybody to come to work you might have to fucking increase the amount of money you're going to give them so that they will come to work so they will do the job why don't you understand that? I understand that. Shit, we all understand that. So listen, I'm going to try to get out of here. I want you to understand that I appreciate what you're doing. 
I want you to also try to understand stuff you don't understand. I try to do that every day, but there's a lot of shit that I'm never going to understand. There's a lot of stuff that I can't explain. And believe me, uh, I'm not even going to try. I'm going to stop trying, really. I, I didn't get to the point on this podcast, and I try to explain things that I can't explain. It's like UFOs or the Yeti or the Loch Ness Monster. I can't explain any of that shit. I can't explain why people behave the way they do. I can't change the way they behave the way they do, so I'm not going to even try. But I can point it out, and hopefully, maybe you can understand what's going on if you think about what's going on for a little while longer than maybe half of, or maybe even a quarter of a second. So try to understand what's going on, but don't look to me to explain it to you because guess what? I can't explain. And with that, this is your Uncle Jimmy signing off saying, see ya. <laughs>